1972, a crack commando unit was sent to a liturgical prison by a canonical court for a crime they didn't commit. These men promptly escaped from a maximum security diocesan stockade to the ecclesial underground. Today, still wanted by the Vatican, they survive as soldiers of fortune. If you have a problem, if no one else can help, and if you can find them, then you should listen to Libra Cristo War College. Wednesday War College, Jesse Romero, Kyle Clement. Uh, people just love it when you're on, Kyle. They love the the, the way that you're explaining Father Ricker, Ripperger's prayers on his book, Deliverance Prayers for the Lady. Welcome, Kyle. Welcome to the Wednesday War College. Hey, Jesse. It's good to be with you. Thanks for having me. Hey, tell me what's going on in the life of uh, Kyle Clement and Liber Christo. What, are you invo- what projects are you involved in right now, uh, and how can... Uh, how can other lady join you in some of your different projects? Oh, thanks for that opportunity, Jesse. So something new um, and one I want to really push um, is in response to several inquiries, uh, this coming Sunday afternoon, 23rd uh, October, is going to be a two-hour presentation on power and authority. Uh, very, very central topic to uh, the understanding of Catholicism and liberation. Uh, We'll start with the natural law and then go through functional power and authority. Uh, And that one is open. It's going to be on the Zoom platform. And that one's going to be open to anybody, open to the world, if you will. And uh, go to www.monte, M-O-N-T-E, Cristo, C-H-R-I-S-T-O, dot net and click on training and you can register for that uh, two hour conference on Sunday, the 23rd on power and authority. Um, And so this is the first of of several of these planned Sunday afternoon conferences. We'll kind of see how uh, the public reacts to it and and see, Uh, but this particular topic, uh, we were getting quite a few inquiries uh, to, to cover that topic. So that's this Sunday. While you're on that website, look at the various training and events um, where Father Ripperger and I are doing an exorcist training this coming spring, um, and anyone can get involved in that. Uh, as far as uh, sponsoring an exorcist, we've got some exorcists or some priests in third world countries and uh, one from Africa. It's quite expensive for this for them to come and go to this training, and so if you wanted to sponsor a priest... Um, and I'll just put it out there, you know, if you sponsor a priest or, or a group of you get together and, and sponsor a priest or, or do a scholarship, then you'll have the uh, you'll have the uh, grateful prayers, daily prayers of, hmm. of an exorcist uh, praying for you and for your family. So that's a pretty good exchange. Um, then there is a uh, laity conference uh, with regard to people who are involved in teams on the diocesan or parish level for, for liberation. There's a mental health conference. All of these are explained uh, on that www.monte, M-O-N-T-E, Christo, C-H-R-I-S-T-O, dot net website. Uh, there's also some YouTube links there. There's a lot of free videos and, and uh, talks uh, there. And there are talks uh, on the Libra Christo website as well, www.monte. Liber, L-I-B-E-R, Christo, C-H-R-I-S-T-O, 
uh, org. And so those two websites, if you kind of exhaust those, you, there's lots of information. There's lots of talks there, uh, lots of, of things that are going on. And don't forget to, to start planning for um, the Virgin Most Powerful uh, Spiritual Warfare Conference this coming spring, um, hosted by Terry Barber and, and Jesse and, and all the, the guys there at, at Virgin Most Powerful Radio. We always look forward to doing that conference and Father Ripper will be out for that one again. So that's what we've got going, Jesse. Well, you've got your uh, <clears throat> you're up to your elbows in work, which is good. Uh, we need to we need to, as our Lord Jesus Christ says, put our hand to the plow and not look back. And boy, oh boy, are you putting your hand to the plow? So, Kyle, let me ask you: um, <clears throat> on page thirty four, on the bottom of the page, we're now in, into a section of prayers called sparring prayers and protective prayers. There's a prayer there that says, that's called Commission of the Care of Soul and Body. It says, it said, must be prayed at any time, but especially before sleeping for oneself. So uh, explain that prayer to us. Is it imprecatory or deprecatory in nature? And uh, give us a little bit about the theology of this prayer. This is a... Thank you, Jesse. This is a great prayer. So if we if we continue with the sparring analogy, well, they're all great prayers. But if we continue with the sparring analogy, um, there's protective gear that is worn in a sparring session, and so the donning of that protective gear is part of that spa, of that sparring session. Um, <laughs> so essentially, that's what these these next couple of prayers, few prayers, are about is is the protective gear when we start to engage and when we know we're going to be vulnerable. And so the, the preamble to this says, may be prayed at any time, but especially before sleeping for oneself. And so this is, it, it is a deprecatory prayer because you're asking, you're, you're asking immediately for the help of, uh, for, for the Blessed Mother. Into thy hands, Mary, I commend my body and soul. And so, this, whenever we say this, whenever we talk about commend my body and soul into thy hands, Mary, oh, Mary, my mother, whenever we do that, we must immediately think back to that moment where this is first done and where it's formally done. And that is our Lord speaking from the cross. Mm-hmm. And so at Calvary, in the act of sacrifice, there's a commendation, uh, mother, behold your son. And so this is and and son behold your mother or it and it's not just to saint john and the blessed mother it it pervades throughout the ages uh and it and it extends down to us and so anytime you hear that language we need to be making those common those um connotations and those connections i commend my body and my soul i ask thee this is the asking of the Blessed Mother to provide for them and to protect them. To provide for them. That's interesting. So it's a it's a prayer asking the Blessed Mother to provide for my body and my soul and to protect them. So how would the Blessed Mother do that? Uh, again, we're in the salutation, the second part of the Hail Mary, uh, the final the final uh, request. Pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. It doesn't say spare me from death. It doesn't say that at all. It says provide for them and to protect them. Uh, I ask thee to protect them from the evil one, 
Pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. More than one saint has talked about uh, these prayers, uh, the necessity for having uh, the body and soul protected. One of the earliest prayers that we ever, that, that children ever learned. Now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the uh, Lord my soul yeah. to keep. And if I die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to take. Mm-hmm. This is that prayer. This is, you're, you're just bringing it forward with a little deeper theology and asking the intercession of the Blessed Mother. It's funny, Kyle, you, uh, it's funny you mentioned that. I, st- I, still, I still include that short prayer every night in my, in my evening prayers. I've probably been doing it for about 25 years. Uh, it's just a short, pithy prayer, and it's beautiful. But So this it's, is kind of an expansion of that prayer, right? It is. It really is. And, and uh, you know, that is a, it's a wonderful prayer. It's short, it's concise. It's like the angel of God prayer, the guardian angel prayer. Very short, very concise, but it doesn't take the effectiveness away from the prayer. Still a very, very effective prayer. Got it. Got I asked the enlighten my mind. Now this next part, strengthen my will and refrain my appetites by grace. So we know that we're going to be entering that shadow land, that land between asleep and awake, where we don't have full control of our faculties and our concupiscence, our fallen nature. If we are in a state of sin, it is often here that the demon is present to us. And we very simply, we, we begin a thought process, we begin to do things, we begin to entertain temptation, which we should not. And this... This talks about that. Strengthen my will and refrain my appetites by grace. So what he's, they're talking about there is St. Thomas would use appetites as passions or, or desires, hmm. those things that I would think about. Hmm. So, Kyle, let me ask you, the prayer next to it, it, was, it would probably be the same theology. It says, for one for one other person. So it's the same theology that you just mentioned, but at this time you're praying a deprecatory prayer for somebody else, correct? Yes, and so this for a man, this would be your wife, your children, those souls which are in your care. Um, And you see the necessity to be in a state of grace uh, to augment the merit of this prayer. You, You see the necessity uh, for the man to be in a state of purity, in a in a state of a chaste, uh, chaste state, in a um, in a pure state, the strength of a man's prayer comes from purity. It comes out of purity. This is why Saint Joseph, cure of demons, was all was always traditionally depicted with a lily, the sign of purity. He was described as a just man. He was a pure and chaste man. Um, we uh, we the, in the salutation, um, Saint Joseph, her most chaste spouse. Um, This is the language uh, of masculine power, spiritual power. It comes out from that state of purity. It comes from um, that singularity of purpose. So under terror of demons, he's depicted uh, with a lily, not with a sharp uh, carpenter tool, not with some tool that would inflict physical damage. It's this, the purity uh, the virginal purity that is is so very, very powerful in the spiritual realm. And so the necessity for a man to be pure and to be... Kyle, chaste, we're coming to so a hard break. Hold that thought, my friend. Coming to hard... Jess Romero, Kyle Clement, Wednesday War College. We'll be right back talking about spiritual warfare, high level.
Wednesday War College. We're back. Just remember, Kyle Clement. You know, when I was taking martial arts for many years, when I trained at a very high level and competed, we used to call our best instructors, we used to call them senseis. That's a compliment. That's what Kyle, in, in, the, in, the, in the realm of spirit, Catholic spiritual warfare, Kyle Clement is a, he's like a 10th degree sensei. And uh, we're happy to have him here on Wednesdays, uh, him, and, him and Dr. Dan Schneider. I'd say Dr. Dan's probably about like a 7th or 8th degree sensei. Uh, but nonetheless, these guys are the best uh, that we have in the Catholic Church, the best layman that we have in the Catholic Church on this topic. And so we're blessed to have him on Wednesdays. Kyle, so let me, let me go to page 35 and, and this prayer uh, for another person. It's, you said this is a, a patriarchal prayer. So this prayer should be done more by dad for the family, for his wife, for his kids. I'm going to get emails on this. What about a wife? Can a wife pray this prayer for her husband? I mean, it's deprecatory in in nature, so it would seem to be safe for a wife to pray for maybe, say, her unconverted husband. Uh, What say you? Um, Yeah, yeah, this is an area, and so let's talk about this for a second. Um, okay. In a in kind of a politically incorrect way, or a way that is is somewhat abrasive to our modern ear. Um, to a straight. Give I want to straight. Yeah. Yeah. And so I want to go back up as part of the way to address this. I want to go back up, and I want to um, share some language that is in both of these prayers, but it's very very important language. We left off talking about the purity of the man is the, is where the strength comes from. Mm-hmm. And so it says here in the first one, uh, the prayer above, it says, I ask thee to strengthen my cognitive power, my memory, and my imagination. Help me to remember the things I should and not remember the things I should not. Help me to associate the things I should and not to associate the things I should not. Give me good, clear images in my imagination. And then I ask thee to drive away all the demons that might affect me while I sleep. So it's very, the understanding of the purity um, and power, the intellectual power, the cognitive power um, is very, very important in all of this. And so now how does that, and we'll see some of the same language in this next one. When you dream holy dreams, um, this is the result of, of being pure and praying these prayers is you, you're dreaming holy dreams. You're dreaming pa- uh, dreams of the passion, dreams of Our Lady uh, at the Annunciation. You dream the mysteries of the rosary because these are the things um, that you're asking to purify your imagination. Um, and if you're dreaming dreams that make you anxious or dreams that uh, militate against your your um peace and and understanding of our Lord and our lady, then this is not necessarily of the demon. It may be of us, but the demon may capitalize on it. And so this is why it's so important to be pure. Now, the question that you're asking, Jesse, um, I think it goes to, first of all, let's look at how did I get in this situation? Modernly, we say it doesn't matter whose fault it is. It doesn't matter what happened. The question is, how do you get out of it? Mm-hmm. But while that sounds good, that sounds good to the modern ear, and it plays to the secular notion of nice, it does not play to the biblical notion of cause and effect and the understanding of the effect that sin has 
on, on our life and the temporal effects of sin. So we do need to know about cause. We do need to know about what was the state when I entered into this relationship. So quite often in the scenario that the scenario that you gave is you've got uh, a woman who is now practicing her faith married to a non-Catholic. What was this, their status at the time of the marriage? Mm. Many men have a very, many men have a very legitimate complaint that look, you know, at, at 15 years into the marriage, uh, she goes through this radical conversion and she is not the person that I married. And that, ah, that may be interesting. True. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. And, and so, and so um, this is why it is so important. We, I'm not going to say we fail, but we do not take marriage prep for, his, uh, for the importance that it has. We really need to go back and, and go back through marriage prep. Marriage counseling needs to not be how do you coexist. It is how do you enable each other to gain heaven? How do you, um, how do you go from where you are, but mindful of where did you come from? This is very, very important. And so the Lord will not will not allow you to impose your will on another or to engage in acts of spiritual terrorism. Uh, this is a very important thing is, is the idea if we're praying to affect someone's behavior, St. Thomas tells us you cannot will the action of another. Um, and so these prayers, when prayed for a person who is not in right relationship with God and who does not want a relationship with God, these prayers often work counterintuitively uh, um, because we, we suppose that if the person had clarity of thought, then he would choose the way we choose. And that's not necessarily true. Right. Um, so so, it, so it's always safer for the woman just to pray prayers of supplication and prayers of petition for her husband. Like, again, the Holy Rosary, the Divine Mercy, uh, the six, twelve, and six Angelus, just those prayers of supplication, asking for the the grace of conversion for her husband, along with the light of Christ prayer that you've taught us before in the past as well. So you're saying that this prayer, uh, as I as I understand, should be only used by the the husband because it's a patriarchal prayer uh, for the husband over his wife and his kids. Correct. That's correct. Um, that is correct. It is a patriarchal prayer, and it flows from that from that source. And the only other uh, analogy I'll give you is, if you're training a shepherd, let's suppose that that you and I are master shepherds, and we have a young man who wants to be a shepherd, but he's very timid. What type of sheep would we give him? We would give him the most obedient ewes. We would give him the most obedient, the most docile sheep, so that he would learn um, without this. He wouldn't give up. He wouldn't be overwhelmed. Uh, does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's, that, that makes perfect sense. It's like you wouldn't put an AR-15 in the hands of a seven-year-old kid. You'd give him a twenty-two rifle. Correct. And so the, the wife here, if she wants him to be strong, a strong spiritual leader, then even the more docile sub- uh, subjective and, and uh, uh, the more she should model um, that behavior and constantly ask him for um, for his permission to do certain things and not try to affect his behavior uh, through an imprecatory way, but through a deprecatory way. You always address power um, in in an imp- uh, a 
an imprecatory way uh, only when you have no other option. Um, and so often this starts with um, uh, the, the timid soul is not going to respond to the overbearing soul uh, in a positive way. Yeah. Okay. That's, uh, that clears that up. What about on page 36 where the prayer now goes into for other people? Uh, I see that's a deprecatory. Well, is it a deprecatory? I commend the bodies. Wouldn't that be imprecatory? So that prayer on page 36 for other people, uh, who should use it and when should they use it and what's kind of the theology of this prayer? Okay, it's a deprecatory again where it's, it's a prayer of intercession. It's into thy hands, Mary. So we're asking Mary. Okay. But you'll see that I commend the bodies. In order to commend the bodies and souls of others, we have to be in a position of authority, clear authority <laughs> over them. Um, and so this is one of the things we're going to talk about Sunday on that talk about um, power and authority. This prayer improperly used will open one up to retaliation uh, directly because two things. One, it's asking the Blessed Mother, and then two, it is commending bodies and souls of people that may not be in your authority that if these bodies and souls of these people are involved in occult activity, they're involved in um, abortion, the pro procuring the uh, the um, promotion. And in our society, this is a very real caution. If you're praying this prayer over and claiming authority over somebody that you do not have authority over, you're going to get taken to the woodshed using this prayer. By the way, Protestants do this all the time. <laughs> you can see in their, in, in their service. Yeah, Protestants will be like in, the, in a public place. I've seen them. And they'll say, uh, you know, They'll do. An, they'll say, I, "I pray and and bind any demon." And they're in a public place, like you know, uh, in a public mall. They've got a little stand set up, and I bind any demon in this mall in Jesus' name. And I just I, I look and I cringe uh, again because you, you know you talk about ta- getting taken to the woodshed. Talk about stepping really outside the lane of your authority. Uh, yeah, this is th- and th- this is a presentation. I'm telling you, Kyle, that when Protestants hear. Father Ripperger and yourself and Dan, it does register with them because a lot of them have never heard this before. And again, they have a very loosey-goosey understanding of spiritual warfare in, in their Protestant theology. But uh, but this prayer on page 36, so it has to be done by a person with a position of authority, much like the prayer on 35 then, right? It's almost the same theology. Yes, Almost the same theology, but it expands it a little bit. Um, and so um, you you have authority in in narrow circumstances. You have authority over people in your household. So this would very much would encompass people who are, who are in your household uh, that may not be um, in your immediate family. This could include nieces, nephews, those people living uh, under your roof in your household for which you have an obligation um for their soul but it, it's it, it's the same structure of the same prayer when you're asking to illuminate uh illumine their minds and refrain their appetites you ask to strengthen their cognitive powers you're asking for some very specific intervention by uh the blessed mother saint michael their guardian you're petitioning their guardian angels uh but again Spiritual terrorism is not going to be condoned or those prayers are not going to be granted because there still has to be a conformity of wills. 
if the person for whom you're praying this is not subject subjecting themselves to your authority, then you're going to have um, you're going to have some reactions. These are the kind of prayers that you can sure see for react you can sure see reactions. This prayer is very effective for a priest over his staff, a bishop over his chancery staff, um, a, a, an engaged bride. Uh, I'm an engaged groom for his uh, betrothed bride uh, with the permission of her father. This prayer may be prayed. If it's being prayed by both the prospective groom and the father for her, this is an amazing amount of protection. And this is a soul that we are often do not identify, but the betrothed woman is under a tremendous amount of attack um, until that authority is passed from her father uh, to her new husband. She's she's open. Um, she's in play, as the demon would say. Um, wow. This Kyle, also I got the hard. We got a hard break coming up. Hold that thought. War, when's okay. the war college? Jess Romero, Kyle Clement. We'll be right back talking all things spiritual warfare. Stick around. Wednesday War College classes is in session. Take out your 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 paper, your pencil. I know there's a lot of people around the country, if not around the world, that are taking notes right now. They they really look forward to Sensei Kyle Clement on Wednesdays. They really really eat this stuff up, Kyle. Uh, on page thirty six, you have a prayer there that says protection prayer. It's very short. Maybe you can read it and tell us uh, who can use it and when it can be used and give us some of the, the, the theology of that prayer. Okay. Um, I'm going to just, I was finishing a thought. I want to go back to this, this prayer above just simply because this is such a powerful prayer and such it's, it's often misused uh, either by neglect or misdirection. So we call this the Abbot prayer. Um, this is for the other people you're in a position of authority but it's the commendation of bodies and souls it's an abbot prayer who would find himself as the head of a monastery with with multiple souls in his care this is if you teach uh rcia if you teach confirmation if you teach any of these things under uh, a commission from your priest this prayer is proper for you to pray for your students uh but the the bottom the salutation help them to remember the things they should and not remember the things they should not help them to associate the things they should and not to associate the things they should not give them good clear images etc so as you go down through this and then there's something in this prayer it says help them to sleep and if you should deem it prudent direct their dreams help them to rise refreshed the this prayer is um is I, I encourage you to use it when you have the authority uh, to use it. Now, for women, if you ask your husband that when he is not there or not able to pray this prayer, may you pray this prayer in his stead, discharge his office of father uh, over his children um, and, and for yourself, then this prayer is, is rightly used. Thanks, Jesse, for letting me go back and, and, and touch on that. About you just blew me away right now. You just said an RCIA teacher, obviously commissioned by the pastor, can pray this over the students during class, right? Right when they start class, correct? 
Absolutely. Absolutely. Wow. Because they, what are they charged with? They're charged with preparing this soul to enter the Catholic Church. And uh, and, and you answer the question because women are going to ask, can I pray this prayer? You just said it. Uh, women can pray this prayer with the permission of their husband in their absence. Uh, yeah, that that makes it that's completely clear. What about the next prayer protection prayer? Can you can you actually say the prayer? It's very short. Give us the theology of the prayer. Yes. Is it deprecatory, imprecatory, and when can it be used? May the Lord Jesus Christ be with me, that he may defend me. May he be within me, that he may conserve me. May he be before me, that he may lead me. May he be after me, so that he may guard me. May he be above me, that he may bless me. Who is God the Father and the Holy Spirit, who lives and reigns forever and ever. Amen. So this salutation, um, this deprecatory salutation, is directed to the second person of the Trinity. And so whenever we talk about the second person of the Trinity, we're talking about the human aspect, a God in human form. Though he is all God and all human, it is that tangible second person of the Trinity who has strict historical context. And so we look at him, that he be with me. So the ancients, the traditionalists would say that he be with me. That meaning that he be with me and I with him, that, that there's a conformity of wills. What was he about? He was about making God the Father his, his known to all of humanity, making charity of God the Father known through all of humanity through the ultimate sacrifice. And so that he be with me. If we're not willing to suffer, if we're not willing to uh, go through this life and truly uh, look at it from a Christ-like standpoint, um, then this prayer is not going to be effective. Mm-hmm. What are you willing to do? That he be with me. Um, are you willing to say the hard truth? Are you willing to look at the rich young man and tell him what Jesus told him? Are you willing to allow the persecution, uh, the physical persecution, the, the statements? Are you willing to do that? Because that's what it's asking that the Lord Jesus Christ be with me. He's not going to be with you if you're engaged in habitual mortal sin. He can't be there. And so it's in this pursuit of God, it's in this pursuit of sacrificial theology, that he may defend me. And so what is this defense? It's that nothing come against you that is not not providential, that is not uh, of God. And so that he be within me. This This is a Eucharistic prayer. Um, that he be within me, that you believe in the real presence and how the real presence changes you. Um, there's an addenda prayer here that helps uh, with these. Lord, by your Eucharistic presence within me, drive from me all that is not of you. As you drove the money changers from the temple, drive from me all that which is not of you. That's a violent prayer. That's that's a kind of a harken back to the boot camp prayers. Hmm that he be within me, that he may conserve me, that he be before me, that he may lead me, that he be after me. So this is this surrounding, this total surrounding. And so this is some Celtic uh, language that we see, and we see it in the Saint, uh, breastplate of St. Uh, Patrick. Yeah, this, I saw this that. This idea yeah. that right. before me, behind me, above me, below me, uh, that there's no part of me exposed to the earth. There's no secret part. There's no place in me that's not in conformity uh, with our Lord. It seems to me, Kyle, like it's, he may- it, it, like it's a mini uh, 
St. Patrick's breastplate prayer, prayer, at least that that section where he talks about Christ above me, Christ behind me, Christ below me, and St. Patrick said that's that's an exorcism prayer as well, correct? That's correct, because if he is in those places, the demon cannot be. Ah, no, it makes sense. Yeah, the the demon cannot be. And so we must make sure that... (laughs) that these places are are habitable for him, that there is that these are, are places of grace, that, that there's not any part of our life before us, below us, behind us, above us, um, that there's not anything um, that we would do, no place that we would go, no thought that we would have that would be inconsistent with him. So it it it, it has uh, this prayer has some some exorcistic language, I mean, because it's borrowing the St. Patrick breastplate prayer, correct? That's or at least, correct. Or at least so spiritual warfare language, yeah. Yeah, it's it's warfare language, and so yeah. when you strap on the headgear, you're, you're about to spar, you're strapping on the headgear, um, and you're strapping on the gloves, because actually the gloves are as much protection as they are uh, an offensive weapon. Right. And so you, you put on the glove, you, you put on um, you, you put on your crotch protection, you put on uh, the helmet. That's what this prayer is doing. You know you're about you're, you're entering battle. You're, this is a good prayer to pray uh, for men um, as you're leaving the house, as you're going out into the secular. Um, this is a good prayer to pray. Um, and so this in this protection prayer is your headgear is your protective gear. Mm, God, I love it. I, I I can identify with that. Kyle on page 37 we have a prayer there's called prayer to protect faculties. That's a deprecatory prayer it looks like to me. Uh who can use it uh and when can it be used and what's kind of the theology behind this? All right, so here we're going to get the precious blood again. Anytime that we we hear precious blood, we we've got to think number one, where is the source? Um, how is it? How is this happening? How is this precious blood able to flow over me? It means it's flowing out of Christ. This is sacrificial theology. This mm. takes us right back to Calvary. We've got to be in the proximity uh, of the sacrifice. Uh, all sacrificial theology, as the animals were bled out and the uh, blood collected in the bowls, then the priest would dip the hyssop, and you had to be within striking distance. He had to be able to hit you with it, uh, splung off that hyssop uh, sprig. And so this this uh, precious blood, anytime you ask the precious blood to flow, you have to be in a spiritual proximity to uh, the sacrifice on Calvary. You have to be, you have to avail yourself of that and all it means. So, Lord Jesus Christ, let your precious blood flowing from thy wounded heart cover me, my cognitive power, my memory, imagination, common sense power, sensitive appetites, my sight, hearing, taste, touch, and smell, and any part of your body they are affecting. So this is straight out of St. Thomas. Um, Within Liber Cristo, within the uh, liberation methodology, there's a whole section on reordering the faculties. Now, the way the faculties are, are rightly ordered in a in a very um, elementary sense is from the top down. It is intellect, will, emotion, or memory, emotion, appetites or desires, and then instinct. 
And so from the bottom up, it is instinct or preservation of the corpus. So a good example of how the faculties become disordered is immediately when we experience fear. And St. Thomas describes fear as the unmoderated response to a perceived future evil. And so the moment we become terrorized or fearful, then the lowest faculty of instinct, preservation of the corpus, elevates above intellect. And so it elevates above intellect, and thereby the faculties are disordered, and we do stupid stuff like run into a wall, fleeing a mouse. <laughs> we, we, this is, a, is, is an example of, and so fear is the first rotten fruit of the fall. Uh, fear is a lack of trust. Fear and trust just simply cannot occupy the same space. And so to give you a good idea of the right ordering of faculties in light of, of a perceived uh, violent scenario, the martyr, his faculties are perfectly ordered because in his will and in his intellect, he suppresses and orders the instinct to stand down. If the preservation of the body is not as important as preservation of the soul. Preservation uh, of the soul it. is achieved yeah. through, preservation of the soul is achieved through the circumstances of death. Awesome, awesome. Wednesday War College. This is uh <clears throat> three college units after you listen to this show, trust me. Wednesday War College with Jess Romero Carl Clement. We're talking about the spiritual warfare prayers, how to use them. Stick around. We'll be right back. Wednesday War College, Jess Romero, Kyle Clement. Kyle, it seems to me there's a lot of people right now in our church whose faculties need to be reordered. I just, I just want to make a comment before I go to continue on with this, uh, with the theology of this prayer book. Um, there, I just want to get your comment in two minutes on the synod of synodality. Here's my take. I think the modernist Marxists and Masons in the church who are in positions of power are they are what they're doing is they're trying to usher in Vatican three. In other words, I don't think they accomplished what they wanted to accomplish totally after Vatican two. And so that's why they've been trying to push this spirit of Vatican two. They insert things into the church and the mass. And and that's not part of the documents. And I think that right now they figure right now, you know what? It's been six years since six years since the council. It's time to finish off what we started the modernist that that popped out of the uh, the the the, <laughs> the the birthday cake or or the or the cake at the bachelor's party, and I think they want to finish off what they started, and I think this uh, whole synod of synodality pushing it another year is trying to make Vatican three, and basically uh, st- start remake the church, and 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 start an entirely new religion based on modernism. Uh, what's your take on this synod of synodality? Just you know, give me a quick uh, overview of what you think. So I, I think you're pretty accurate. I, well, I that's um, been observationally, we see what we see. Um, it does not matter um, what they say; is what what do we see? Um, you know, we have a built-in BS meter, a properly formed yeah. Catholic conscience, and you can call it whatever you want to call it. 
um, but it is an abomination in the temple. It is uh, departure from right worship. It is departure from uh, any known norm um, and any tradition. And so it is what it is, and, and we can call it anything, but we do not do well to interpret the actions of clergy or anyone else in the best possible light. Um, so we've got to get our head wrapped around something. Uh, someone may do something out of ignorance, but this is malicious. This is systematic, and it is malicious. It is for the intent of destroying or changing uh, the church and militating directly against tradition. And so you see it for what it is. If it walks like a duck, quacks like a duck, swims like a duck, it is a duck. And so until it can be proven otherwise, and then the behavior is explained, but you cannot explain these behaviors. And I've watched good men, I've got, I've watched good priests uh, try to explain these things, and, and it becomes an exercise in absurdity. We see what we see, and the laity have always been that portion of the church where the faith has been preserved um, historically, and it will be so again, whatever form that takes. But bottom line is, you, you, you cannot be concerned with what the Vatican or what Rome does. You must remain Catholic, and Amen. you must remain focused on our Lord and on Calvary and Our Lady. These are the things that you must do to preserve whole and entire in your faith. And so the in these prayers, what we've, we've talked about this morning is uh, many subjects which are not politically uh, correct or palpable in the modernist church. Um, and so you, you have to realize that it is tradition, it is rigidity, it is the formal prayers of the church that have vanquished the demon for centuries, and it is he who wants those rules of engagement changed. And so I will stick with the tried and true. Thank you very much. I'm not interested in trying um, anything that is not proven by tradition and that is not objectively effective. <laughs> Kyle, so on page 37, talk to us about the prayer against retaliation. Prayer against retaliation. Okay. Uh, here's when I use this prayer. Tell me if I'm if I'm using it properly. Once I'm done with the radio show, especially when I'm done with the radio show with you or Dan specifically, uh, but any radio show, in fact, because when you're lifting up the name of Jesus, I'll pray this prayer after I'm done. Uh, maybe after I'm done speaking at a conference at a retreat, I'll also do this prayer, uh, asking God to protect me uh, against retaliation. Uh, also, when I uh, I've gone into jails and prisons to do talks, and most especially once I leave that place, because I, I, I've worked in there before. I know, I know the evil that, that lurks in there. Uh, I also do that prayer when I walk out of a jail or a prison. Uh, what else can you tell us about this prayer against retaliation? Well, it's definitely the proper use. And so um, anyone who goes and blesses a home, anyone who prays with someone, anyone who interviews, anyone who there's a possibility of coming in contact with a diabolical, it's advisable to pray this prayer. So let's, let's understand the difference in terms between retaliation and resistance. Uh, oftentimes we, we think that we're being retaliated against when in fact it's just normal resistance, it's normal temptation, it's the ordinary activity of the, of the demon. Extraordinary activity, um, it, retaliation is extraordinary, it goes to an extraordinary level. It means two things. One is that you have um, 
you have engaged, you have found the enemy, and he has found you. He knows you. So one of the rules of discernment, when you see the demon, he sees you seeing him. And I'm saying that figuratively, but when you understand that someone is diabolically afflicted and and you start to come to a certainty of it, then at that moment, the demon reads you seeing him. It's like a pattern break in camo. If you're going through the field and there's someone in camo, the moment that the camouflage pattern is broken and you see him, now you're forcing him to do something. That's either flee or fight. If this demon is in a person who is possessed or deeply obsessed, he's going to fight. He's not going to flee because he can't flee. And so just think of it that way. As, as you engage the enemy in the battlefield, you, his camel pattern is broken. You see him. There's eye contact made. He's got to either leave or he's got to attack. You want to make sure that you do not have a vulnerability and that you draw all of the that you're in the right place at the right time doing what you're supposed to do. You're not on some uh, unauthorized patrol. You're not in a place um, that you're not supposed to be, because when you are in those places and you open yourself up, you're open to retaliation and the Lord will allow it. He will allow it to teach you a lesson. This is the taking to the woodshed. And the demon then becomes the instrument of chastisement for you. Um, so this is part of what that retaliation, uh, prayer against retaliation is. Um, it, it, you want to cover any mistakes you might have made. You want it to cover any kind of vulnerability that you might have caused. Oftentimes, especially with a cult, when you meet with someone in the occult, it's like a giant spider web. There is a, a um, there is a corruption of the mystical body of Christ or a counterfeit of the mystical body of Christ, but they are networked. And so when you're talking um, to this particular individual and starting to, to understand that there may be a diabolical influence within the cult variant, then immediately um, there are multiple individuals and diabolical entities which are now aware. And so when you... M- see the camo break when you see the the uh, enemy he's seeing you but quite often all of his comrades are also seeing you because uh and then you want to that's what this prayer does is it brings to bear all the forces on our side and to protect um against retaliation but there is a whole roster of everything that every person every entity that's on our side from our lord jesus uh, to the Blessed Mother, uh, as Queen of Heaven. That's a huge salutation. That is a huge title. St. Michael, send down the legions of angels under your command to fight off any spirits that would seek to harm me. All you saints of heaven, impede any retaliating spirit from influencing me. Lord, thou art the just judge, the avenger of the wicked, the advocate of the just. We beg in thy mercy that that all we ask of Mary, the angels, and the saints be also granted to all of our loved ones. Because this is this is where the attack, the vulnerability, and the retaliation is going to come, if not against us directly, then against our families. And to punctuate this point, you look at the carnage, the, the wreckage uh, in the families of charismatic practitioners of deliverance all up and down the board. Their families are wrecks. Um, and, and I'm not saying that in an accusatory way. What I'm saying is because of acting out of disordered power and authority, out of a disordered construct of authority, 
they open themselves up to retaliation. And the retaliation often is not against them, but it's against their family members, against those that they're not protecting, against those that are uh, outside of these prayers, uh, because the, the practitioner lacks purity, lacks authority, lacks there's a deficiency somewhere. And so the demon is going to be allowed to retaliate against that individual, uh, often through his family members. That makes sense. Uh, Kyle, a a type of prayer like this should also be prayed by, obviously, people that are part of exorcism teams. Uh, Once once they're done with the session, uh, the priest will probably pray a prayer like this over the team, correct? That is correct. Uh, He'll pray a prayer, a perimeter prayer at the beginning, uh, and then after any type of engagement, um, he will pray this prayer at the end, uh, sometimes with some addenda. But this is also the same theology that is behind much of the auxilium Christianorum prayers, whereby uh, in auxiliary prayers where people are praying for uh, spiritual warfare uh, efforts of others, uh, priests and, and others, then they're they're praying these prayers so that they and their families are not retaliated against. The auxilium prayers and prayers like this are extremely effective. Kyle, that's pretty much it. We've got probably about one or two minutes uh, left. I don't want to get into another one, an, an, one more prayer because I want a good explanation. I don't want to rush you through it. So tell us again, uh, what are you up to right now? How can people collaborate with you in your apostolic work? Um. So thanks, Jesse. The, the big thing that I wanted to, to promote today is just go to those websites, www.liberchristo.org and Monte Cristo, www.monte, M-O-N-T-E, Cristo, C-H-R-I-S-T-O, dot net. And on that one, click on training and the first uh, the, the first item you will see is uh, this coming Sunday on the 23rd, there is a two-hour presentation on a Zoom platform about power and authority. And we invite you to take advantage of that um, and, and to sign up for that. Uh, you'll have access to those recordings once it's over with. Uh, but sign up for that. And uh, I hear the can, music, Kyle. Can, uh, I hear the music, my friend. We'll have to put it on hold. Thank you, Jesse. Thanks, brother. God bless you. Have a great week. You've been listening to Wednesday War College. That's a wrap. Jess Romero, Kyle Clement, talking about uh, how to use the prayers in Father Ripperger's book. Uh, we'll see you next time. Same Christ time, same Christ channel. Up next, Gary Machuda, hands-on apologetics. As for us, we are EOW, end of watch. We're out, but uh, we're always on patrol and always on duty for Jesus Christ and Our Lady.